0: Welcome to the Faith Bridge Sermons Podcast. Today's sermon is brought to you by Bible teacher Duffy Robbins and was recorded on Sunday, March 19th, 2023. And hey, if you're ever in the area, join us on Sunday on campus at 9 a.m. or 11 a.m. and come say hi in person. You can also follow us on Instagram at faithbridge to see what goes on during the week. And as always, you can join us every Sunday for our online service called FaithBridge Live at faithbridge.org live. Here's Duffy. All right, good morning, everybody. How you doing Faith Bridge? Welcome to the last day of winter. <laughs> we're glad you're here if you're joining us here in this auditorium you're in the communion service, or if you are joining us online in a warm place we're a little bit jealous but uh, but thanks so much for being here today. one of my um, One of my favorite TV commercials is this McDonald 's commercial it came out way back in two thousand and seven, but it featured this little guy who who kind of boogies into the kitchen one morning. Uh, to the tune of uh, Cha Cha Slide, does anybody remember that? Uh, anybody remember that commercial? Well, let, I tell you what, let's let's take a look. Funky, Funky. 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 everybody clap your, clap your hands, clap, 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 clap your hands, clap, 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 clap your hands. Right foot, left thumb, cha cha real smooth. Turn it out. One hop this time. Right foot, two stumps. Left foot, two stumps. Slide to the right. Slide to the left. Crisscross. Get fucking with it. Oh, yeah. Come on. Cha cha now, y'all. Everybody, clap your hands. Come on, y'all. How low can you go? Can you go down low? All the way to the floor? I'm out of here, y'all. Peace, peace. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty great, pretty great. Actually, it reminds me a little bit of, of Pastor Ken and staff meeting. But, uh, but uh, no, it, it's, it's, you know, I think one of the reasons that um, I, I, that commercial is so fun for me is this, this little guy, his joy is just is so contagious. Uh, i mean he comes to the table and everybody's sort of you know locked in to like the normal mundane uh you know autopilot it's another day ho hum and and then all of a sudden this kid shows up and and uh, and they're all kind of stunned i mean dad dad even looks a little a little indignant uh, and then about halfway through the commercial um dad starts to pay attention he's kind of watching and listening and it's like whatever the son has he he catches it. And, and I don't know about mom and sis, but, but you can see it in the dead. Uh, it's it, it just, I, I, it's like his face, his arms, his eyes, all of a sudden, uh, you know, he sort of comes to life. And, and it's just kind of fun to watch. And I mentioned it this morning because um, what we've been watching and hearing uh, in our ongoing series from the book of Acts here at Faith Bridge is a church marching, uh, sometimes almost dancing, uh, to a song with a movement and a, and a message so infectious that even in spite of intense opposition, we, we see it every week, almost every new chapter, people, people are coming to life. God's Holy Spirit is bringing a song of awakening. There's grace, there's power, there's, there's hope. Uh, there, there, there's a song, even in the midst of, uh, of challenges, and what we want to do this morning uh, as we continue in our study in the book of Acts is uh, listen carefully, see if we can discover what it was about this church. Why was this early church so contagious? Why, why did it move with such boldness and joy that, that a chorus of God's uh, praise spread across uh, not just the Roman Empire, but, but literally clear across uh, Asia Minor? So if you have a Bible this morning, please turn with me to Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4. And if you don't have a Bible, if you just raise your hand, these folks coming down the aisle doing the cha-cha slide, uh, (laughs) they'll be happy to to give you one. Yeah, and you may keep that as a gift from Faith Bridge Church. Acts chapter 4, and we're going to begin this morning, uh, we'll pick up the story in verse 31, verse 31, Acts chapter 4. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Now, the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common and with great power. The apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Thus Joseph, who was also called by the apostles Barnabas, which means son of encouragement, a Levite, uh, a native of Cyprus, sold a field that belonged to him and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, we sense it, don't we? In the reading uh, through these verses in Acts chapter 4, there was something um, in the song of the early church that that sparked uh, a movement, and that movement was was contagious. We've seen this time and again over the last few months as we've studied through uh Dr Luke's careful account of this uh, Jesus revolution and uh, and what we're going to see this morning is that the the infection the, the the contagious song can pretty much be summed up in 3 verses 3 verses verse 32 Acts chapter 4 Luke points us to a contagious unity and then verse 33 Luke gives us a report about a contagious witness. And then verse 34, Luke tells us of a contagious generosity. So we have a, a contagious unity, a contagious witness, and a contagious generosity. And by the way, if it feels like you've seen this movie before, that's because you you have. Um, this actually uh, account is very close to Luke's description of the church in Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. Um, that, that Clay Scroggins preached on back in January, uh, February. So if you want to uh, think more about what a contagious church looks like, go to the Faith Bridge website and, uh, and you can listen to his study of Acts chapter 2. Um, we're going to begin our study this morning with that very first verse, verse 32, verse 32 that points us to a contagious unity, a contagious unity unity. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul. The full number of those who believed were one heart and soul. It was a middle school retreat and uh, there are about 306, 7th and 8th grade kids in the room and and I wanted to help them to, to think about the church. And I think you can appreciate this. But uh, with 300 middle school kids, uh, you know, uh, trying to get them to think about the church is 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 almost like saying, you know, who wants to see a movie about broccoli? I mean, it, it, it's not exactly, uh, 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 you know, it's not exactly really going to generate a ton of energy. So, so I decided I was going to get a bunch of kids up on stage and we we're going to build uh, a human pyramid. you know how this works. We had you know, like five bigger kids there on the bottom on all fours. and uh, And then we put four kids on top of them and then and then a three, and then you know two. And, and then we actually had this one little uh, sixth grade girl, just a pixie. Uh, I mean, she probably weighed about as much as my left leg. And uh, we put her up on top there. And it was amazing. I mean, we just we just kind of marveled at this thing that they had that they had built. Together, this oneness they had built together, and it was a pretty cool um, illustration of the church. Until uh, one of the guys on the bottom gave out, and the whole uh, thing just totally collapsed. I, I wish, I wish we had a picture from that uh, middle school uh, group. We don't, uh, but actually, you know, we do. We we were able to dig out this old photograph from a Faith Bridge uh, church retreat. Um, but but uh, but it was a lot of fun, uh, you know. <laughs> You know, just just being with these uh, middle school kids, and 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 please pray because um, we're, we're just about to wrap up um, all the lawsuits. But but uh, but but uh, it, seriously, what we witnessed, what we witnessed that morning on the stage of that middle school camp, was a vivid example of what was happening in the first century church in Acts chapter four. Uh, all these different people, different backgrounds, different ethnic groups, different ages from different places filled with the Holy Spirit of God, came together in a unified community. And, and and what's so astonishing about this is that, we know this from Acts chapter 2, they came from literally all over the place. They were from everywhere. And the scripture tells us that the believers were one in heart and mind. One in heart and mind. Literally in the Greek, everything was in common with them. And, and this is a radical generosity, right? This is, this is a radical unity. This is way beyond, uh, you know, uh, friending somebody on uh, Facebook and, you know, sharing Instagram likes and putting animal noses on your selfies. Uh, this is BFF on, on steroids. This, as John Wesley described it in his commentary on this passage in Acts chapter 4, their loves, their hopes, their passions were joined. Their loves, their hopes, their passions were joined. This this was a contagious unity. And of course, um, that kind of unity comes only as a work of the Holy Spirit. Verse 31 makes that very, very clear. We can't, we can't do this on our own. In fact, notice that the text says in verse 32, all who believed, all who believed. We cannot overflow if we are not filled. Uh, I I think we've all probably, you know, been on too many retreats where it's the last night and and everybody's around the fire and it's very emotional and and we're holding hands and we're singing together. We're one in the spirit. We're one in the Lord. We pray that our unity may one day be restored and it's, it's beautiful. It's awesome. But then we come back home. And, 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 and watch us out there in the parking lot, you know. It's like we're one in the spirit, we're one in the Lord, but my pickup truck will crush your puny Ford. And, and, and it's just like in real life, that, that unity just does not translate. But that's the difference. That, that's the difference between singing around a campfire and, and a song inspired by the fire of the Holy Spirit. I, I like the way like A.W. Tozer explains it. He, he says, has it ever occurred to you that 100 pianos all tuned to the same tuning fork are automatically tuned to each other. They're of one accord by being tuned not to each other, but to another standard to which each one must individually bow. So 100 worshipers meeting together, each one looking to Christ, are nearer to each other in heart than they could possibly be Were they trying really, really hard to become unified on their own? Those those first century Christians were filled with the Holy Spirit. They they, they were tuned into Jesus and and they sang in harmony a a chorus of contagious unity. But in verse 33, Luke goes on to tell us that this was also a song of contagious witness. Uh, It was a song of contagious witness. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Uh, If you know anything about the great 18th century preacher John Wesley, uh, you probably know that he was constantly hounded uh, by angry mobs. Uh, Over and over in his journal, you read about Wesley being uh, confronted by hostile crowds who were intent... On, uh, on on keeping him from from preaching, and uh, there's one especially uh, vivid episode in John Wesley's journal in, in which he describes a mob scene that's so violent and so raucous that that it looks as if it's going to e- evolve into a just a full blown riot. Uh, in fact, it reminds me a little bit of that middle school retreat I was telling you about. But, but it's interesting because what had happened was there was this mob of people who had surrounded a house in which Wesley had taken shelter. And then the crowd uh, decided to pursue uh, Wesley up close. And so they stormed the house and, uh, and crashed into a downstairs parlor where they began to brutally attack one of Wesley's uh, uh, traveling campaign and a guy by the name of John Bister but that's when the story turns totally crazy because because that's when Wesley decides that he needs to wade into the middle of the mob so he can tell them about Jesus and listen to what he writes he says believing the time was now come I walked down into the thickest of them they had now filled all the rooms below I called for a chair the winds were hushed, and all was calm and still. My heart was filled with love, my eyes with tears, and my mouth with arguments. They were amazed. They were ashamed. They were melted down. They devoured every word. Now, that's, that's pretty amazing, right, when you think about it. I mean, you have this angry mob. They're hungry for blood, and they're captivated by this English vicar who essentially has has his only arsenal, um, a heart filled with love, uh, eyes filled with tears, and a mouth filled with arguments. Now, of course, it was God who intervened in that room that day, but there is something, isn't there? There's something infectious about that combination of a heart filled with love, eyes filled with tears, and a mouth filled with arguments. I think... I think that's something of what Luke is pointing us to in verse 33 when Luke writes, and the great power, and with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. Um, It's interesting in this text uh, that two times Luke uses the word great. He talks about great power, and he talks about great Grace, one of those greats uh, points to what came out of their mouths, right? With great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And then the other great uh, points to what's upon their heart, that that grace, great grace was upon them all. So together, together, they show us uh, a vivid picture of contagious witness, because contagious witness is, is, is always about truth and grace. It's, it's a combination of sharing the faith and showing the faith. Together, together. It's about powerful testimony and authentic grace. And one of the reasons I think it's so important that we notice this this morning is that especially um, in recent times, um, the Christian faith is more often seen, I'm afraid, by the culture as a virus than as a cure. And It's because I think in the church, we don't seem to understand the importance of these three elements. Like, like some of us, some of us are pretty handy uh, when it comes to a mouth filled with arguments. Check. I mean, we, we nail that. Some of us are really committed to social action. Uh, we, 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 we address the hurts of a broken world. We want to do that. Check. Some of us, uh, we want to make sure we're communicating uh, An and all-inclusive love uh, check, that's awesome. But a ministry of power and grace, a contagious witness is a combination of all three. It's about all three. And part of the contagion of the church in Acts chapter 4 it was a laser focus, a laser focus on the one message and the one hope for humanity. And it wasn't a political party. It wasn't some uh, social action uh, mission. Uh, it wasn't some lightweight appeal. You know, you just need to calm down. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't some social media post. It's not even about a better economy uh, or stable banks all of those things would, are really great. Uh, but the apostles understood our central mission is to share and show the resurrection of the Lord Jesus with hearts filled with love, eyes filled with tears, and a mouth filled with arguments, preferably in that order. I like the way Paul puts it. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul writes, I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you. I love that. I was with you in weakness and in fear and with much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but, and here's the the clutch right here, in demonstration of the spirit and of power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. Brothers and sisters, that's a contagious witness. That's a contagious witness. But Luke points us to one final um, verse of this infectious song, and that's uh, in that intriguing passage in verse 34, where we read about a contagious generosity. We have a contagious unity, a contagious uh, witness, but what about this contagious generosity? Look at verse 34. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. It was a Wednesday afternoon, July 12, 2017, Roberta Ursray was at Panama City Beach, Florida with her family. They were enjoying the beach, except on this particular afternoon, um, at one point, uh, she looked up, and from her spot on the beach, she realized she couldn't see her sons out there swimming in the water. So she stood up, and, and to her horror, she finally spotted her boys, but they were way out in the surf, and they were waving for help, and they were screaming. So immediately, Ursula and her family, of course, they swam out to try to rescue them. But almost immediately, they themselves were overpowered by the current. So now, counting the two boys who were originally caught in the riptide, uh, and the family members, and the bystanders who tried to help, there were nine people. Nine people out there being carried out to sea by this riptide. And it looked for a few minutes as if they were all going to be lost. But that's when some people on the beach um, saw them out there, way beyond the break, waving their arms and, and, and yelling. And these beachgoers, just total strangers, began uh, forming this, this human chain, hand to hand, to reach from the shoreline all the way out to where these people were in the water. And in fact, authorities estimate that there are probably 70 to 80 people. Involved in this in this human chain, and and in fact, uh, every single one of those stranded swimmers was rescued that day. Cool story, but it's also a pretty vivid picture of what we see in these final verses in Acts chapter four, because Luke shows us in these two verses um, a community of believers, different backgrounds with different stories, who join hands to. To rescue folks who are, who are over their heads and, 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 and drowning in, in, in poverty and need. And, and, and that's, a, that's a great picture of what it looks like when a church lives out a contagious generosity. A contagious generosity. And you look at the text, Luke draws us this uh, fascinating picture in verses 34 to 35. So let's, let's uh, start with a little background. We know, we know from Scripture that within the Jerusalem church, uh, there was a quite a broad cross-section uh, in terms of uh, socioeconomic status, right? Many who were quite poor, and then there were many who were, who were quite rich with, with large homes and, and uh, you know, sporty hybrid camels. And, and what we see in Acts chapter 4, verses 34 to 37, is that these wealthier believers would would sell their property give the profits to the church and then the church would distribute the funds to any as they had need and of course this would have all been as countercultural and as radical back then as it would be to do it today but but these believers they they saw themselves as members of a of a covenant community. They were were joining hands and and hearts. And they were literally attempting to live out this uh, covenant relationship that's described in in the book of Deuteronomy. In Deuteronomy chapter 15, the people of God are given instructions uh, about this covenant relationship. They're told they, for example, should cancel debts. Every seven years, cancel all debts. They call it the year of, of of Jubilee. And the scripture promises there in Deuteronomy chapter 15, verse four, there will be no needy person among you because the Lord is sure to bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In fact, we get a sense of of, of just how thoroughly these early Christians shared their lives and property together because later on, when Paul, uh, later in the New Testament, writes to the Thessalonians, uh, he has to actually warn the believers uh, about the danger of people sponging off of the community who, in fact, were themselves fully capable of... Of taking care of their own needs, but they just didn't want to do any, any work. And of course, that would have never been an issue. That would have never been an issue unless this were a community that was in a radical, contagious way sharing their life and their property. We also notice from the text that this is completely voluntary. It was entirely voluntary. Luke actually gives us two case studies. Uh, in this passage. One with Barnabas in verses 36 to 37, and then another, which we'll study next week in Acts chapter 5, with a couple named Ananias and Sapphira, uh, otherwise known as as dumb and dumber. But it's totally clear in both case studies that the believers were not obligated. They weren't obligated to give up their property. They owned it. They could do with it whatever they wanted to do. Uh, archaeologists have actually identified at least one first-century community in the Qumran region near the Dead Sea, where members were uh, literally required to sell all their property to join uh, the community. But 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 it does not appear that these first-century Christians understood that to be the requirement. Uh, in fact, if you look carefully at Luke's description of the church in Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 47, you'll actually see this little phrase in verse 46. Day by day, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread, look at this, in their homes. In their homes. So so they had all things in common. Uh, They clearly practiced this this radical generosity, a community life, But they had their own homes. They they, they weren't necessarily uh, uh, anti-private property. It wasn't some sort of, uh, you know, first century uh, Marxism. But before we get too relieved uh, about what this doesn't mean, let's pay careful attention to what it does mean. And to make that crystal clear, Luke zooms in on a man named Joseph, nicknamed Barnabas, Uh, who's a Levite, a native of Cyprus, who sells a field that belongs to him, and he brings the money, and he lays it at the apostles' feet. what we learn from this example is a very, very simple principle of contagious generosity. And the simple principle of contagious generosity is this. Whatever it is you think you own, it belongs to God. Whatever it is you think you own, it belongs to God. We'll notice here that the land Barnabas sold belonged to him. It was his land. But Barnabas understood everything he owned belonged to God. So when Barnabas saw the need... In the church, he saw the opportunity to sell the property and give the proceeds back to God. Barnabas understood whatever it is you think you own, it belongs to God. Now, you're going, oh, that's that's really admirable. That's fantastic. What does that mean for, for, for you and for me this morning? Well, what that means for us this morning is that whatever it is you think you own, it belongs to God. It, it belongs to God. Whatever it is we think we own. Maybe, it's, maybe it is property you own. Maybe it's your car. Maybe it's your relationships. Maybe it's your hobbies. Maybe it's your, 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 uh, your children. Maybe it's your future or your job plans. Maybe it's your talents. Maybe it's your, it's your time. Like, you know, you don't have a lot of money, but you have a lot of time, and you have Netflix. And, uh, and, and maybe God wants you to go, hey, is there another way I could better use this time? Barnabas understood whatever it is we think we own, it belongs to God. And all of it, all of it needs to be laid at the feet of Jesus. And contagious generosity always starts with that bedrock truth. James puts it like this in his letter, chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. He says, what good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, oh, oh, go in peace, be warm, be filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. It's dead. And and, and I'll be the first to admit this morning that uh, these verses make me a little bit uncomfortable. They make me a lot uncomfortable. Maybe the same for you. But that's when I remember that the book of Acts is not a book about people doing amazing acts in the name of God. It's a book about the Holy Spirit of God doing amazing acts in and through his people. All of this starts with the movement of God. None of us can make this music. None of us can make this music on our own. Our sin leaves us distracted and and, and deaf. To the music of God, our our, our best efforts are flat and out of tune. We are trapped by our selfishness, by our petty divisions, and by our our false securities. But here's the good news this morning. Um, The power and the grace of Jesus who died on the cross to pay the debt of death we owe for our sins. And then rose again from the dead dead. To live his life in us, that grace, that that salvation is available to every single person in this room, every single one of us and 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 if you've never made that decision, maybe you're here this morning and you're just kind of checking stuff out, uh, it would be it would be so. Awesome if you might consider making that decision today. If you're interested in talking with some folks, we'll have some people up here at the end of the service who would love to talk with you and during our worship time uh, to, to, to think with you more about that. But here's what I want all of us in the room to understand this morning God's invitation to all of us is to be a part of this movement, living out a contagious unity, offering to the world a contagious. Witness and giving everything we have and everything we are to Jesus in an act of costly, contagious generosity. I mean, it it could be just like that dad in the commercial, in the McDonald's commercial, like just like those folks in Acts chapter four. God is inviting you and me to truly come alive. To come alive. As we worship this morning, I want to give you an opportunity. Maybe, maybe as we sing together, you're, you're going, "Well, you know what? I, I I sort of made that commitment to Jesus, stuffy, but but I know there's some stuff I'm clinging to. There's some there's some properties in my life. Maybe it's my dreams. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it, whatever it is, but I'm holding on to it. And I need this morning to lay it at the apostles' feet. If you'd like to. Uh, During our worship, if you'd like to come and talk with folks up front, again, we invite you to do that. But let's make this a time of prayer. Let's give this to God so that we might be a church that is absolutely, fully, infectiously contagious. Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for your love for us. There was nothing that you did not give on our behalf in an act of absolute radical generosity. You laid down your life. At your feet, Lord, there were nails hammered in, and you did it as an act of love so that we might have access to you. I pray this morning that you would speak to our hearts. Help us to be a church that reflects that kind of sacrificial, awesome, contagious love to our friends, to our family, to the world around us. We ask this, Lord, in the strong name of Jesus. Amen.